try not to put you to sleep today, but I'm going to ask you to open your Bibles with me to the book of 1 Peter, chapter number 1. We are talking about the precious blood of Jesus Christ. We started this last Sunday, and uh, you will see as we read verses 18 and 19 why we use that terminology, precious blood. Peter says, For as much as you know that you were not redeemed, with corruptible things as silver and gold from your vain conversation received by tradition from your fathers, but with the what? Precious blood of Christ. Let's say that together. The precious blood of Christ. Say it one more time. The precious blood of Christ as of a lamb without blemish and without spot. We'll go ahead and read verse 20. Who verily was foreordained before the foundation of the world, but was manifest in these last times for you. Something precious is something of great value. There are things that are precious maybe to individuals that might not be precious to everybody, but there are reasons why things are precious. Sometimes they are of a high price. Sometimes it's just because of the way we esteem them. Maybe it's something that somebody very near and dear gave to us or entrusted us with, so it becomes precious. It may be something we cherish, something we want to hold on to. It might uh, not, as I say, be so important to other people, but it's important to us. But when it comes to the blood of Jesus, it is precious in every sense of the word. It's rare. It's valuable. It is something to be cherished. It is something of great, great, great value to us. Now you might be here today and you're asking the question, or at least in the back of your mind there may be the question, how is it that someone dying 2,000 years ago over in the Middle East how does that have anything to do with me today? What is that about? How could something 2,000 years ago affect me for all of eternity? Well, in the book of Hebrews chapter 9 and verses 13 and 14, we, we find some interesting words. It says, For if the blood of bulls and of goats and the ashes of an heifer sprinkling the unclean, sanctifieth to the purifying of the flesh. And, of course, he was referring to Old Testament sacrifice there. He says in verse 14, as he's making this comparison, how much more, how much more shall the blood of Christ, who through the eternal Spirit offered himself without spot to God, Purge your conscience from dead works to serve the living God. Now notice that phrase, who through the eternal spirit offered himself. And then, of course, we know that the offering was an offering of his own blood. And what I want you to just think about for a moment is this fact. That in the mind of God and in the economy of the spiritual dimension, if I can use that kind of terminology... The shed blood of Jesus Christ is an eternal and completely finished work. And because it occurred 
not only in a time and a space place, we know that it, will, it is a time and space event. It did occur. But also in the realm of the Spirit because of the nature of what was going on. And because Jesus was God manifest in the flesh. And because his blood was not the blood that was tainted by the seed of Adam, but his blood was the blood of God. That means that that sacrifice was accepted in an eternal sense. Eternity doesn't just mean a long time. Eternity in biblical terms really means outside of time in the sense that there is, uh, there is no such thing as time to bind it. If you were in the spiritual dimension today fully and you didn't have to stay here in this human body and you passed on to glory... If someone asks you, what time is it? Or you ask somebody, maybe, because you'd be a newcomer there. What time is it? Their answer would be, it's now. And in our calendar, if you ask that question next month, the answer would be the same. It's now. All spiritual power and spiritual dimensional uh, uh, fruits and gifts and those kind of things, they're always now. Love is a spiritual force, and love is now. Joy is a spiritual force, and it's always now. It's always time to rejoice. And you could go down that list, and the blood of Christ is in that same category. And so, in essence, it is as if the blood was just shed. It's not really a 2,000-year-old thing. In the mind of God, it was just done. And every time that God looks over and sees Jesus, the God-man, who, by the way, in his decision to become a man, made a decision for all of eternity that he would always be the God-man. A million years from now, you'll be able to go up to him and see him, and he'll have a glorified, but yet a body. Not just a spirit floating around, not a cloud, not Casper the friendly ghost, but a real Jesus. The, the uh, scars in his hands and in his feet, the scar in his side, it's still there. It causes no pain, he's not hurting, but those marks are there because the body that got up from the grave was the body of Jesus glorified isn't that good to know but that's also important to us because a million years from now you will be reminded of what it cost him for you and me to even be in his presence a million years from now and every time that God sees Jesus the son the God man at his right hand he is forever Reminded, not that he needs reminded, but I just use that for lack of a better term. He always sees, maybe that's a better way to say it, he always sees Calvary. So Calvary, the shedding of blood, the sacrifice of Jesus, and all that the blood purchased, and all that the blood does, present tense, is always before God. The blood of Jesus was carried up to the very presence of God in heaven. It's there. 
and it still speaks. That's an odd statement, is it? The blood speaks, but that's what the Bible says. Remember when Cain slew Abel, when God interrogated him over his murder, he said, the blood of your brother crieth unto me from the ground. So there's something about blood that is unlike any other substance that we know anything about. Even just normal human blood. With all of medical science's advances, there's no substitute for it. And there's no artificial blood. You can't go to the drugstore and buy it off the shelf. Unless if someone needs blood, if someone needs a transfusion, unless someone has given it first, they can't have it. And so it is spiritually because as we learned last week, Hebrews 9.22, sins are remitted because of the blood. When we needed blood, when we needed remission, when we needed cleansing, it would never have been possible had it not been given. And at the cross, Jesus gave his blood for us. And so yes, that which happened in the time-space dimension 2,000 years ago just outside Jerusalem on a hill called Golgotha or Calvary that is just as relevant and just as powerful now in 2022 as it was on the day that it happened. And when Paul said in Romans 1.16, I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth, to the Jew first and also to the Greek, he was verifying the fact that the power of the event that would be described by the preaching of the gospel, the power of the events of the gospel is in the preaching or proclamation of the gospel. And so that's why we preach about the blood. That's why we preach about the sacrifice of Jesus. That's why we receive communion together on a regular basis. That's why we, we come back again and again and again to the sacrifice Jesus made and the price he paid because the power of that event is in the proclamation of the event. And when we proclaim these truths, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God and even faith in his blood, Romans 3.25 begins to operate and makes all the benefits of the blood available to us. Let's go to Hebrews chapter 3 and verse 25 this morning. Amen. I'm, not, I'm sorry, Romans, not Hebrews. I was already in, in Hebrews, wasn't I? Romans chapter 3 and verse number 25. And this passage, this verse says to us, I think I'm looking... Um, I'm looking at the wrong verse. Anyway, the passage deals with faith in his blood. Maybe someone can find me. I've got the wrong, uh, I've got the wrong um, um, reference here. Through faith in his blood. Because I want you to see that. Amen. It's verse 25. To declare, I say at this time his righteousness that he might be just and the justifier of him which believeth in Jesus. I'm in Romans. I'm in the wrong verse. 
Verse 25. I don't know why it took you all so long to find that. Sorry about that. Whom God hath set forth, speaking of course of Jesus, to be a propitiation through faith in his blood. Notice that phrase, faith in his blood. To declare his righteousness for the remission of sins that are passed through the forbearance of God. Faith in his blood. See, we've established that it's an eternal concept. It's an eternal reality. It's an eternal power. It did an eternal job. And so anything eternal, anything from that dimension, we on the earth have to receive it by faith. So we talked about love being now. We talked about faith being now. We talked about joy being now. Well, you know, it takes faith to walk in love. It takes faith to rejoice, even in the face of a circumstance that looks bad. So this thing is all tied together. And so when we operate faith in his blood, when we activate our faith in his blood, we are activating faith in all that the blood accomplishes. So that's why we're going down this list of, of the various things that the blood has accomplished for us. Now in the Old Testament, in the Old Testament types and shadows, there was the act of taking hyssop in the uh, Passover. Remember the lamb was slain. That was a type and a picture of Jesus. And the lamb was slain, and the blood was caught in a basin, and they took a hyssop uh, plant, which is a, a plant that grows there in the Middle East. They took that hyssop plant, and with its branches, they used it like a brush, and they painted, with, they painted the blood of the lamb on each doorpost and over the top or the lintel of the door. And when the death angel passed over Egypt, the plague of death, the last one, when, when the death angel passed, that's the only thing he was looking for. If there was no blood, death came to the firstborn in that house. If the blood was applied, he passed over that house. Hence the term Passover. Now, if you read the story, you know that God gave some strict and specific in instructions on how they were to do that. And the whole thing was an elaborate uh, uh, ceremony, and, and it was a meal. They, they, they ate food. They ate lamb. They ate bitter herbs. They ate bread, unleavened bread. All these things were involved in the Passover. But notice when the angel passed over, all he looked for was the blood. So there are instructions in the Christian life. There are do's and there are don'ts. There is a way of holiness. There is a way of righteous living. There are things that pleases God. There are things that are necessary if we're going to receive from God. But in the end and final result, the thing that God is looking for is has the blood been applied. Amen. And when we're born again... The blood is applied. Once we're born again, we need to take the hyssop and continually apply the blood. What is our hyssop? It's this thing right here in your mouth. It is your voice. It's your tongue. It's your words. And with your faith, with your words, with your tongue, with your voice, you constantly apply that blood again and again and again. We said last week, of course, that in, uh, the first benefit of the blood is our sins are remitted. And we said that, that the blood of Jesus is our only legal plea before God. 
We don't have enough good works. And we sure enough, we're guilty. But we are acquitted. Our sins are remitted. We receive pardon, forgiveness, freedom, deliverance, and mercy because of the blood. Not our works, but the blood of Jesus. And then we said last week that our sins have been cleansed, 1 John 1, 7, which means to make clean, to purge, to purify. Sin is of its nature unclean, and it separates us from a totally holy God. And it's the desire of God to keep you near. It's the desire of God to have his family close and in right standing with him that compelled him to send Jesus to the earth to take our place and to suffer the penalty that was due unto us so that we could be declared justified or acquitted or found not guilty before God. And there is nothing in the entire universe that can do that but the blood of Jesus. Hallelujah. And then number three, this is from last week. And if you didn't get to hear last week, please go back and listen to it. I was listening to it again uh, this week and uh, this past week, and uh, I, I wanted to send myself an offering after I heard it. It's such good things. Amen. But anyway, number three was our conscience is even cleansed. That's Hebrews 9.14. And that's the same word talking about cleansing us from sin, the same word to purge or to purify. And we've said that we don't have to dwell on our past. The old man is dead. Galatians 2.20, I have been crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. Yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. We are brought into right standing with God. And even our conscience has been cleansed. Now, how does that work? Well... When the devil, who is called in Revelation 12.10, the accuser of the brethren, tries to build a case against you and bring accusation against you, you can tell him legally and honestly and with all authority of the name of Jesus that there is no evidence of any sin I've ever committed that's under the blood of Jesus. Your accusations are false, they are meritless, and they will not hold up in court. The supreme court of the universe, God Almighty himself, the chief judge, has said that I am not guilty, I have been acquitted, and I am now not only just forgiven, but I am now, according to 2 Corinthians 5 and 21, I am the righteousness of God in Christ. I'm not just temporarily, partly, hope so, maybe so, might be, hope I make it. No, I have been made righteous. You will not be more righteous a million years from now than you are now if you're saved. When you walk the streets of gold, you'll not be more righteous than you are right now if you're saved. Now, you'll be having more fun than you're having right now. But, but you won't be more righteous Righteousness is not something we earn. It's not something that we grow into. You're either righteous or you're unrighteous. You're either going to heaven or you're going to hell. There is no middle ground. And if you are righteous before God, you are accepted by God. Hallelujah. And that brings us to the next key that I want to share with you today about the benefits of the blood, and that's found in the book of Hebrews. We'll go back there again. Hebrews chapter number 10, and this key is the fact that we now have, through the blood of Jesus, access. 
access to God. In Hebrews chapter 10 and verse number 19, it says, Having therefore, brethren, boldness, and boldness there means confident and frankness of speech. This boldness here has to do with your mouth as well, as some of these other things we've been learning. This one does too. It has to do with being bold enough to say some things. Have you noticed that when you're in trouble, there's two thing, one of two things that generally happens? For many people, you go silent and you go inward and you get so caught up in your thoughts that you, you don't even say anything. But your mind is working a mile a minute, as we say. And, and the devil is painting all kinds of pictures about how you're going to be destroyed. This is going to kill you. This is not going to work. You've destroyed this relationship. Your children will never be saved. You'll never have enough money. You know, all the pictures he paints. And you just silently let him talk to you. Or another thing that he, he uh, is happy to see us do is, and this is a reaction kind of the opposite that some people have, they just begin to talk a mile a minute out loud. A whole lot of unbelief, a whole lot of fear, and a whole lot of I wonder this, I wonder that. Do we, maybe we ought to call this, maybe we ought to do that. I need to tell them this. I need, in other words, instead of praying, talking to God, instead of checking with what the Word says, we're just letting our mind run away with us. Now, this aspect of access to God is something the blood paid for because notice again the 19th verse having brethren having therefore brethren boldness to enter into the holiest by the blood of Jesus this access to God paid for by the blood of Jesus is the ability to come before God confidently and boldly with great frankness or plainness of speech and just declare before God what his word has said and what we are believing him for. Not to go to God with a poor old me, I'm, you know, and, and tears and all the rest, feel sorry for me. The Lord does love you enough that he has sympathy for you, but sympathy alone isn't going to fix the problem. There has to be some faith exercise. There has to be some power released. And faith and power doesn't come from sympathy and emotion. Faith and power comes out of your spirit, and it's released by the words of your mouth. Boldness of speech in the time of testing and storm is what's going to take you over to the other side. When the storm raged for days and the sun or the moon had been seen in days, Paul on the ship with all those prisoners on his way to Rome as a prisoner of Rome, all the mess that was going on, he finally heard from God and an angel of the Lord appeared to him and then he got up and testified to all of those who would hear him on that boat and he said, the angel of the God whom, whose I am and who I serve has appeared to me and he told him a little bit about that. He said, and I believe God. God, it shall be even as it was told me. That's boldness. That's frankness. That's simplicity, but power released. I believe, God, it shall be even as it was told me. Well, the symptoms may feel like this. The report may say that. My bank account may look like it's about empty. This situation, that situation, the other situation may look hopeless, helpless, and bad. But I want to declare that I believe it shall be even as 
as God has told me in his word. So I look to the word and I declare the word and that brings me to a place through the blood of Jesus and his word where I have access to God. I've got access to God. This is the kind of talk that Adam had when he talked to God every day in the Garden of Eden. There was communion. In the cool of the day, there was communion. Adam was enjoying the presence of God. And I'll tell you something about having access into the presence of God. And you know what I mean by that, presence into the throne room. I'm not talking about access into this building. We're glad you're here and you do have access into the building. And good things happen here. And there's a wonderful atmosphere of worship and praise and, and great friendly people and, 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 and all the good things that come with church. And it's important. We're not supposed to neglect it. We know that. However, this is not talking about access into a church building. This is talking about access into the very presence of God in the throne room of glory. This is talking about coming before the King of kings and the Lord of lords and communing with him with great boldness and frankness of speech. Now, sometimes it's hard for us to, to uh, uh, think about how do I come before God boldly? Because I don't want to be arrogant. I don't want to be presumptuous. But God appreciates and God enjoys and God loves boldness. Let me give you just a little example, maybe help us understand better. Let's say that you told uh, a child of yours that you love that you were going to uh, give them on December the 25th, that you were going to give them a new car. So, Dad, we're really happy. Now, let's say that that's what you said. That's what you're, I'm going to give you a car for Christmas. Well, Christmas comes, it's in the driveway, and you give that boy or that girl the keys to the car. What will be your joy out of this? Would you really have joy if they fell immediately in the floor in tears and started telling you how unworthy they are? And how that they didn't do what you told them to do two weeks ago. Instead of taking out the garbage, they hid it in the basement. And that's that awful smell. <laughs> if they started telling you how unworthy they were. Or, or this. This would be very, very bad, wouldn't it? If they'd say, well, I'm not even sure if I'm your child. I, I don't know if, if I really am even in this family. Do I even belong here? I feel so weak. I feel so unworthy. I'm just so little. I've done so little. You know, that would ruin your Christmas, wouldn't it? What would you like for them to do? Say thank you. I love you. Maybe give you a hug. And go get in that thing and drive it. And drive it like it's yours. Drive it like you own it. Drive it like you mean it. Drive it like I drive mine. <laughs> Hallelujah. <laughs> that could be good advice. It may not be good advice. Amen. Depends on if Taylor's working that day or not. But anyway. <laughs> but anyway, you understand that when we come before the throne room of God, we come before his throne. He does not want us to come as beggars. Amen. 
and I'm, I'm going to use a word, I'm not trying to cuss or be unkind, but I'm just saying, I want you to think, he doesn't want us to come as bastards. We are full sons, daughters, heirs of the Most High God. And we can boldly say, thank you, Father. I'm born again. I'm the righteousness of God in Christ. You have transformed me and delivered me from the kingdom of darkness, and you have brought me into the kingdom of your dear Son. You have washed away, cleansed, remitted all my sins, and I am now the righteousness of God. I am your righteousness before you. I have a right to be here. I love to be here. I want to be here. And I know when I speak, I am heard. And I come to bring you your word, Lord, and I come to tell you about what you've already said. I've come to laugh at the devil. I've come to declare my place of authority and victory. I'm in Christ, and he is in me. I'm seated with him in the heavens realms and no devil or demon can touch me and as he is so am I in this world and I'll tell you when you begin to do that in the presence of God not only will you feel the presence of God but God will be glorified and God will be delighted in the sons and the daughters that he paid this awesome price to have the blood of Jesus makes this access possible hallelujah Let's just raise up our hands and praise him a moment. Hallelujah. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Hallelujah. And when you have access into the presence of God, it will change you. Look at your neighbor and say, you need some change. Hallelujah. But it will. It will change you. The presence of God will change you. The business of the kingdom is revealed in this place of access. The business of the kingdom is revealed in the throne room of heaven. The will of God is revealed and planned out in the presence of God. Your life plan, maybe I'll say it that way, is discovered there. You see, we don't plan a life and ask God to bless it. That's a way to have far less than what you can have. That's a pretty good way to mess up your life. Our life's destiny is not decided. It's discovered in the presence of God. And so it's in this place of access that the plan for our life is discovered. And also in this place is where the provisions for its fulfillment are appropriated. James 1.17 says, Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above and comes down from the Father of lights. The good stuff is coming down from heaven. The good stuff is, is uh, the good stuff, that's the stuff that uh, only God can give. The good and perfect gifts. And so that's why we want to get into his presence. And provisions are made there. All the provisions, all the appropriations are made in the throne room for the good stuff to manifest here in the natural realm. You see, if you're trying to naturally make it all happen, just another job, extra hours, whatever, I mean, it's good to work, it's good to be busy, God is not uh, blessing laziness, but the point is, the quality of the life that God wants you to have cannot be attained just through your physical labor. The real quality of the life that God wants you to have, yes, you'll do some things. You need to do things, but you need to do what he wants you to do. And you need to learn sowing and reaping to the point that the, the product of your harvest finances and funds the blessed life that God wants you to have. 
And all of us today, all of us, no exceptions, are living off our harvest. I mean, even the ability to work and draw a paycheck or whatever you do, all of that, all of that has to do with past things. And so we're living our harvest today, but you can increase your harvest if you follow God. So we want to, we want to be in his presence. We want to learn how to pray. We want to learn how to fellowship with God. We want to learn how to, how to hear his voice. And so I would encourage you to lean heavily on this benefit of the blood. And if you don't have a daily appointment, a sacred time in your life that you can get in the presence of God and access the throne room of heaven and appropriate his provisions for your life's plan as well as appropriating and receiving the directions, the plan itself. If you don't have a time where you worship God, if you don't have a time where you can Laugh in the presence of God at impossibilities. Like Job said, I think it's Job 4 and 7. At destruction and famine we shall laugh. If you don't have that kind of time, you're missing one of the greatest benefits of the Christian life. It could be if you don't have this kind of a time set aside routinely, that that may be why the Christian life is not quite as good as you thought it would be or should be or know that it can be. Because God's not really so much about your stuff. God's about you. God wants you. God wants to hear your voice. It's good to pray one for another. That's biblical. But the best prayer for you is not me praying for you. I I can pray for you. And I'm not saying that isn't beneficial. It, It has benefit. But the greatest prayer is when you pray about you and you learn the way of God and you become God inside minded. It'll change the way you live. It'll change your, it'll change your attitude. Your demeanor will change. You know, if you've got a problem with your temper, if you've got a problem with impatience, if you've got a problem with worry, and we could go down a, a, a list of other things that are not good. One of the keys is to learn to live in the presence of God. Because God's not worried about one thing. God isn't afraid of one thing. God is not, I mean, he never sleeps, so he does stay up all the time. That's why I can sleep, praise God. But, but he's not worrying. He's not fretting. We need this peace and calm that comes in the presence of the Lord. Amen. Father, I'm so grateful. I'm so thankful for this access. Or there may be somebody who's listening to this message that doesn't have that. They've never been born again. Or maybe there are those who have had an experience with God in their life, but they're not where they need to be. They're practicing sin. They're practicing a lifestyle that you know and they know isn't pleasing to you. And so they need to repent. They need the blood applied this morning. While Christians are in an attitude of prayer, I just want to say to you, there is no benefit 
in putting off a surrender to Jesus. It is inevitable that you and I cannot do this by ourselves. The question is, are we going to allow Jesus to be the boss or are we going to allow the devil to be the boss? Are we going to go the way Jesus wants to take us with all the blessings and all the peace and all the good things he's provided and prepared for us? Or are we going to allow the devil to steal, kill, and destroy? Are we going to allow unforgiveness and things of the past, our anger, our frustration, our grudges to keep us from the goodness of God? Are we going to really allow somebody else who maybe did something or said something or failed to do something maybe years ago, are we really going to allow them to determine our future? Don't let them do you wrong the second time. Forgive them. Release them. You say, well, I don't feel like it. It has nothing to do with your feelings at this point. It's a decision. I love them, and I'll leave them with God. And just like God has forgiven me, I want him to forgive them. But you don't know what they did. God does. And he still says, forgiveness is essential. And since forgiveness is a command, it must be something we can do or God would be unjust. So there's help. And it's help through the Holy Spirit. It's help through his word. It's help through the blood of Jesus. And just like the blood of Jesus has cleansed you and me from our sins, we freely allow the blood of Jesus to cleanse the other person. I don't know who that was for. Maybe for somebody that will listen to this as a recorded message later on. I don't know. Certainly wasn't in my notes, but somebody needs to know that. You cannot take hold of your future that God has planned as long as you're holding on to the past with all of its mess. If you don't know Jesus or if you're not right with him today, just say, Father God, in the name of Jesus, I believe in the blood of Jesus. I believe in the power of the gospel. I believe Jesus died. I believe he rose again. I believe he ascended and is right now seated at the right hand of the Father. I believe that salvation and total remission of sin is available through the blood of Jesus. So I'm asking you now, Lord, to forgive me. Take my sins away. And I boldly confess Jesus as my Lord. Right now, I take him as my Lord. I will serve you, Lord Jesus, the rest of my life. I don't know what that will entail. I don't know where that will take me. But I trust you. I want to serve you. And I thank you for cleansing me. I thank you for forgiving me. If you're a backslider, just thank him for taking you back. Because he does. He loves you. Your sin did not nullify God's love. It just separated you from the fellowship with him that you need to have. Don't, don't run away from God. Run to him. 
run to him. Thank you, Jesus.